0: Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we
1: go. Go back to the reasons that you started your business in the first place, and that will give you the strength to ride this out or to have to recreate or reinvent yourself when we come out of this.
0: Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Are you ready to level up The Pineapple Post is launched, and I'd like for you to be a part of it. It's a newsletter for people like you, people who want to learn and improve. It's delivered every Sunday and packed with stories, videos, and audio content from the brightest minds in our industry. We're covering the latest news, innovations, and trends to inform and inspire the way you do business. When you're serious about your work and you're ready to take it to the next level, the Pineapple Post is here to help sign up at pineapplepost.news. I hope you'll check it out. We all hope to be successful, but how many of us plan to be successful? Susan Sarich of Suzy Cakes took the time to plan every aspect of her restaurant. The research and development that went into her business plan directly resulted in the success she had after opening. Having weathered two economic disasters and with dozens of locations under her belt, her plan seems bulletproof. And in today's episode, we walk through it step by step. I
1: did an ex- Extensive amount of research. Anytime, and I've always been passionate about desserts in general. And so, anytime I traveled, I would go to bakeries in whatever city I was in and I would take notes. I still have my original little notebook from like early 2000s where I would write, Oh, I was in such and such bakery in this city. I loved the way they displayed their pies. I loved the way the chalkboard looked in the city. What I didn't, I never went to this place, I didn't like this. So, I was very clear. My vision for Susie Cakes just became more and more refined the more I traveled and went to different bakeries. I also would spend time to do the financials. I would sit in parking lots and count cars. I'd say, hmm, I wonder how much money this bakery does. Let me just sit here for a couple hours and see how many people go in, how big the bags are that are coming out to try to back into versus just saying, we're going to do a million dollars the first year or 500,000 or whatever the number is but really to say, no, you need to sell 800 cupcakes every Saturday in order to make this amount of money to be able to pay this amount in the rent. Because I knew that making everything from scratch with premium ingredients was going to be expensive and it was going to be very labor intensive to do all the cake decorating, but we would need to be in an area because everybody shops locally, right? Neighborhoods are very important, especially for bakeries. And I wanted it to be in a neighborhood where there were, dogs and strollers and private schools and individuals who would be able to afford the price point at which we were going to have to be entering the market. We've certainly altered and massaged that along the way over the past 14 years, but I knew the first store out of the gate, we may not be sitting here talking if I had chosen the real estate incorrectly. I believe real estate is like one of the biggest indicator of success when you first launch your business.
0: In terms of location or in terms of the deal that you strike with the landlord or both?
1: I was referring more to location, but I think the deal you strike with the landlord can also be a make or break to your business as well. If you get, How
0: aggressively have you negotiated over the years?
1: Oh, we've become way, way, way more. I mean, back in the day, we had no leverage, right? It was like, I was unknown. The concept was unknown. It's like, who is this girl? What is she going to sell cupcakes in Brentwood? Okay. Where the landlord could have rented that space to any number of national tenants who would have been a far more sure thing, if you will. but I really, in the early days, had to take what I could get. And now we have the good fortune of having landlords who want Suzy Cakes in their projects. And so they approach us early on and say, what would it take for you to come to our place?
0: So two years in, the crash of 2008 hits. What happened to you? What were the lessons you took away from it?
1: So, we had already, after six months of opening Brentwood, I knew we were onto something. We were cash flow positive within that first year. And we already had guests coming in saying, Oh, you should open in the valley, or I live in Malibu and this is too far to drive for me. So, we signed the lease for Calabasas, which was our second location. We had the lease signed and we were under construction when all of that crash happened. We had signed a location for Calabasas and it was under construction. The world went upside down. The market crashed. And we were like, okay, we're going to have to get through this. Now we are committed, we're obligated. We have leases, contracts, we have vendors, and we are going to make this work. And what we found I think this is really interesting and very unique to what Susie Cakes does is that we thrived through that period. And the reason why we thrived is because people couldn't afford to go out to dinner. So I would say you couldn't take grandma out to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and spend $400, but grandma's gonna come over to have her 85th birthday. You need to have a cake. And so if you're going to be home celebrating, something must elevate that dinner to be special for that person who you are celebrating. And so I think that's when people said, okay, we can't do this anymore. We might not be taking that trip we had planned to Europe, we're staying closer to home and we're celebrating it inside our home and we're buying cake from Susie Cakes. And so we really did well during that time, which actually gave me more confidence in the concept. It was good for me to have just two locations at the time to say, wow, this really works in good times and in bad. So when people were just saying, oh, this is a fad or this will pass, or this is not sustainable long-term, I could say, it actually is because look at under the circumstances in which we've been able to not only survive, but also thrive.
0: So when you look back on your business plan, how close to reality were you?
1: It was remarkably close. Actually, I found it, I want to say, in the last six months or so when I was home cleaning out closets, as we all have been doing. And it was actually pretty spot on to Brown. I think it was within $200,000 of sales. But It was pretty good, I have to say. Now,
0: that begs the question, is success formulaic? Does A plus B equal C in this Mm -hmm. industry?
1: No. I think I read a book once that I think is titled Heart, Smart, Guts, and Luck. It was like the first business book I read that I said, this actually resonates with me and it should resonate with every entrepreneur because I think you need all of those factors. I do not sit here to have a conversation with you today to say, unless I had a bunch of luck and think the guts and being risky and being willing to take chances all lay into somebody's success path.
0: Now coming out of 2008 and March of 2020, when you saw this collapse, did you turn to your team and say, obviously we're going to have to pivot, but don't worry, we've kind of been through something like this similar, we have a plan?
1: I didn't say we have a plan. I said, I know we're going to make it through this. There was never a point in this last 10 months that I felt Susie Cakes is not going to make it through this. I knew we had to evolve and pivot Continuously, because I knew it was going to be constantly changing. I certainly didn't think we were going to be in this almost a year later. I literally, when we closed the stores in March, I said to everybody, "I'll see you guys in April." <laughs> that did <Yeah>. happen, <laughs> but I did have the confidence to say, "We are going to make this." Like. We are going to struggle. It's going to be difficult, but we are going to make this. And I believed that wholeheartedly. So I could share that and channel that with my leadership team in an honest and genuine way, but also be vulnerable and say, I don't have all the answers and we're going to try a whole bunch of things. And one of them is going to stick and one of them might stick for two weeks and then we have to change again. And that's exactly how it has played itself out.
0: Now, were you able to execute on some of that positioning that you had discovered in 2008? 100%.
1: 100%. What we didn't know is when we reopened in a very, very modified state. So we opened with reduced days, reduced hours, reduced product, reduced staff, because we did not know what the sales were going to be out of the gate. So we didn't want to get too far over our skis too quickly. And I never believed we were going to be doing the sales we did pre-pandemic. But I knew that we had to weigh throttle it back.
0: I guess to distill down what I'm really looking for, I've heard you say in other interviews that it was about getting back to basics Mm -hmm. and everybody's been in the same boat. Everybody got back to basics and even more basic than basic, right? Mm -hmm. There was a true streamlining of process. And a lot of people looked at each other and said, well, shit, this is better. This is better than the original model. This is a distillation of my concept. This is actually better than it was before.
1: I agree with that, that we have found a way to have less items. We it really took the core items, like what are we really selling? What are the cakes that sell the best, the cupcakes that sell the best? What's the single best-selling cookie? Like maybe we don't need five cookies anymore. Maybe you can rotate specials in and out or have pop-ups or t shirts but you don't have to have everything. And I've always, from the early days, said I aspire to have the mindset of in and out. We don't have to be all things to all people, just do one thing and do it really, really well, right? So I've always stated that we have very limited ingredients. Like you'd be amazed at how few ingredients, raw product we actually have because everything is butter, flour, sugar, eggs, and then a few other things and everything we make. But what we learned is, okay, let's just open up with cake. What is our core product? It's cakes. It's layer cakes, six inch and nine inch layer cakes. Let's just start selling the cakes, the whole cakes and see what happens. And that's what we did. And when that kind of took off, I started to realize, okay, people really do need to celebrate. People absolutely need things to look forward to and celebrate. This is happening and people need this and they're going to come in to get the cake. So once we had the cakes, we said, okay, cakes are working. What's our next product? Okay, cupcakes. We don't need to have full flavors. What are the four most popular flavors? It's back to basics, chocolate, vanilla, red velvet, and vanilla and chocolate combo, right? So those are always been our bestseller cupcakes. We're only offering those four flavors. And guess what? Sure. People wanted this flavors they wanted. Sure. They maybe wanted coconut, but they said, you know what? I am just so happy. I can get a cupcake from Susie Cakes. I'm going to just get the vanilla. And so we realized that you don't have to have this enormous menu. You can still keep people's interest by having a limited menu and rotating in and out some of the other fan favorites or seasonal items, if you will.
0: What about diversifying revenue streams? Have you guys looked into do-it-yourself desserts or virtual learning?
1: What we did add and has really taken off are the cupcake and sugar cookie decorating kits. So it's a kit that either has the sugar cookies baked or the cupcakes baked, the buttercreams on the side with sprinkles and jimmies and everything. You can use big platter, pick it up. It's a dozen out the door. And again, it's something that I didn't know. I'm like, why wouldn't People just bake at home since they're at home, but <laughs> I guess people now, you know, you're trying to have a job and you have a family and you don't have time to bake at home. So it's pretty great to pick up the whole tray at Susie Cakes. And those have really taken off tremendously. And I've encouraged any of my peers in the neighborhoods that we're at. We have restaurants to say, if you do some kind of kit where people can just grab the whole thing and it's a dinner and all they have to do is boil the pasta and something like that, people will respond very well to it.
0: I want to talk about communication. So talking not as restaurateurs, but as business people, you've always been a big advocate for list building. You've always been a big advocate for communication. And what we've seen through the pandemic is the people that had direct access to their customer base are the ones that thrived. And what model did you see that you adopted? Did you create it yourself? And how has it paid dividends over the last eight to 10 months?
1: There's no money for marketing right now, like true marketing, right? So we've gone from having items being professionally done in a set in a studio with food stylists and all this to really like they're literally on my kitchen table with my iPhone or my my marketing team, like taking pictures like in their kitchens. And you learn, again, what you can get by with, what you need and what you don't. But the way that our guests responded through this, they've really kind of directed us as to what we should be doing next. Because People will tell you what you just say, like, are you enjoying this or what do you want? People said, you must be open on Sunday. If you're going to have limited days, please make Sunday one of them. Like guests would tell us through all these various mediums that we use and a lot to just directly to Susie at Susie Cakes to let us know what they wanted to see and what they wanted to be done. But it's been our sole way to market and be in touch with our guests as to what we're doing. So they know what's happening. We we're sharing with them early enough. I knew Halloween was going to be big for us the minute trick-or-treat got canceled in Los Angeles and our phone started ringing because people were like, oh, we're not trick-or-treating, but we definitely need to do something for the kids at home. So really letting people know early on what we're doing for all these holidays because people are planning for holidays a lot more than they ever did because again, it's the only thing to look forward to. Like we're already on a Valentine's day because people are like, okay, what's the next thing that we can plan for, for our family?
0: Well, one of the things that you've done a great job of communicating to your audience with isn't just your needs, but also your values. So let's talk about being a purpose-driven company, how you exemplify that as a leader and how your team does it on a day-to-day basis.
1: Well, our mission and purpose really is connecting through celebration. That's our core value. And for me, that's threefold. It's one, it's the connection with inside the four walls of the bakery that the team feels connected to each other and something bigger. It's connecting with our guests when they come in over whatever product they're getting to really say, okay, what is Josh like? Oh my gosh, we'll be celebrating Josh's birthday. Tell me a little bit more about it versus just saying, making a transaction on like happy birthday, Josh. we connect with our guests and then our guests connect with their family and friends over their cake. And so that really kind of leads through every element from the team to our guests, to the extension of our guests and their celebration. So that's always been core. We focus on that piece. And that has been, again, for the 14 years, I think that's been important that we've lived that, we focus on that and people come to trust us with those days in their lives.
0: Well, in over 14 years, you've opened 25 plus locations. How has the concept not gotten watered down over time? How do you maintain not only excellence in food, but excellence in culture?
1: Hiring really extraordinary people. Our hiring process is lengthening. Like, so for a general manager or head baker, there are probably no less than five or six interviews We have team members' stage for all positions pre pandemic would come in, work in the bakery for a few hours to see how they kind of jive and fit in with our group and our products and our people. Somebody can be great in an interview, and then you put them behind the counter and they really have no ability to communicate with guests or each other. So you see a lot in a stage. So we put a lot of effort and time and investment in the interview process so that when somebody joins our team, hopefully they're as excited about starting at Susie Cakes as we are about them starting. And the reason I want to keep opening more locations, one of the primary reasons is one of our values is we build more than cakes, we build careers. So by continuing to grow the company, I have growth opportunities for all the people who have been with us for a couple of years, because I think smart, motivated people want new opportunities. They want change, they want challenge. And I'm extremely proud of one of the things I'm most proud of is that we have really long tenure team members at Suzy Cake. So when we first started, had milestone gifts for kind of a little bit old school, right? But on five years, you get a watch and eight years, you get an iPad. And at 10 years, you get this full paid trip to Hawaii for two people for five days. When I came up with it, I thought, who's going to be here in 10 years? And right now, Josh, we've already had over 15 people go on their trip with Susie Cakes and they've been with the company 10 or more years, which is really unheard of in this day and age, in this industry. There is usually a lot of jumping or clipping jobs pretty quickly, but people stay. And I do believe it's because there is a training department and people who want are totally happy doing what they're doing. That's totally fantastic too. And I value all those individuals because they do bring the culture piece. And every time we open a new bakery, I always make sure to seed it with at least one person who's been with the company more than three years to really carry the torch of what is Susie Cakes beyond this is how you frost a cake and this is how you take an order. That really brings the Susie to that spot.
0: Did all of this infrastructure evolve over time? Was it in the original business plan? Did you steal it from someone else? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way.
1: No, this level of growth, my intent was never to have one bakery. I will say that. I didn't know where it was going to go. The broad goal was to make Susie Cakes a household name and a national brand, which we're on our way to doing. But I didn't, beyond developing, here are these standard operating procedures for this one brick and mortar and really having that dialed in, I didn't have the further thought as to like how many people am I going to need on the finance team or on the marketing team or on the HR team. I just started hiring people as those needs came about if you will. Once I couldn't do them all myself anymore, then that's really what kicked it into gear. It's like, okay, we've got to hire this person now or this person. And that's how the team grew. But we've stayed pretty lean through this. We're a small team and we're still very entrepreneurial and hands-on. And we still, the whole, we don't call them that corporate office, we call them host home office support team. So the host team is in the field for busy holidays and not a bunch of people in suits with their hands in their pockets.
0: And then what does your day-to-day look like as you helm this company? Everybody wants to be in your position, but I'm sure most people don't know what that involves.
1: I, for the first, I don't even know how many years, I mean, it was in the field every single day, day in and day out. And I thought I couldn't, as a founder, continue to evolve the company or refine it or anything if I didn't know what our guests and our teams really wanted and needed. And so there's no other way to do that except literally standing beside somebody behind the counter in the bakery and talk to them and find out what's important to them. Maybe they are like super excited about, we reimburse people for when they adopt a dog or a cat or any animal from the animal shelter, right? We reimburse you for that. I thought that's like, okay, that's a nice perk. Like my team really loves that. Like I find out these things from being in the field. I think there's nothing else besides good old fashioned, roll your sleeves up and spend time with people. And that goes the same for guests guests have really helped us, whether it's with real estate or like, Susie, I know you're in Newport, but really Southern Orange County is in need of you to come to Laguna. And like once 30 people tell you that you're like, oh, we should start looking in Laguna. Mm-hmm. So I've never been a behind a desk person. It's just not really how I tick. So I obviously have to do more things of that nature. Now, my love and my passion is connecting with our guests and team. So I try to do that as much as possible.
0: But the focus was always to work on the business, not necessarily in the business, right? Yes. You weren't buying yourself a job.
1: I definitely was not buying myself a job.
0: And then were there any hard lessons along the way as you scaled, mistakes you made that other people could learn from those lessons?
1: I think the biggest one is to always follow your gut. When I didn't follow my gut, whether it was a hiring decision, with someone like I had to find position X, Y, Z, like we have to fill this position and I'm going through an interview and like the internal voice is saying, Mm-mm, this person is not right for you, but the resume looks good and the recruiter says they're great and they have good references and you go forward and you go against your gut. That has never worked out. Dido on real estate decisions where the science may say. There's the right amount of people here. They're the right age. They're the right education. They have the right amount of kids. Like, look great on paper. But again, if I sit in a parking lot and feel it and it just doesn't feel right, I need to say, no, I have founder's intuition. I know this is not the right location for us. And I've made mistakes where I will sometimes listen to the data instead of mixing the art and the science is what I say. I say. I think you need both. I think if you rely on one or the other for people or for real estate or for any decision, it's not gonna serve you well, as well as it could.
0: And then it's an industry podcast. So at the end of every episode, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to share?
1: I would love to say to anyone out there who's struggling at this time to survive, to go back to the reasons that you started your business in the first place. And that will give you the strength to ride this out or to have to recreate or reinvent yourself when we come out of this. But just go back to your core values and your reason for wanting to open your restaurant in the first place or bar.
0: That's Susan Sarich of Suzy Cakes. For more on Suzy Cakes, go to suzycakes.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our other content, or read our daily publication, go to fullconf.media. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.